Well, good morning. Hope you're doing well. Everybody doing okay? Uh. <laughs> I understand that the 9 o'clock hour white people are a little sleepy, but come on. All right. Are you awake? All right. It's a good day. God's made it. We'll rejoice and be glad in it, right? Green eggs and ham. Here we go. We're only reading excerpts. Don't have time for the whole thing. Do you like green eggs and ham? I do not like them, Sam, I am. I do not like green eggs and ham. Would you like them here or there? I would not like them here or there. I would not like them anywhere. I do not like green eggs and ham. I do not like them, Sam, I am. Okay, and then there's this long passage where he's trying to convince them. Try them here. Try them there. Try these. No, 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 no. And so here's one of the first raps you'll ever hear me do. I could not, would not, on a boat. I will not, will not, with a goat. I will not eat them in the rain. I will not eat them on a train. I know I don't rap. Not in the dark, not in a tree, not in a car. You let me be. I do not like them in a box. I do not like them with a fox. All right, you guys are supposed to chime in on that part, I think. I will not eat them in a house. I will not eat them with a mouse. I will not eat them here or there. I will not eat them anywhere. I do not like green eggs and ham. I do not like them. Sam, I am. Love this next part, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. You do not like them, so you say, try them, try them, and you may. Try them, and you may, I say. I think when we think about discipleship, we're like, I don't like it. I don't like discipleship partially because we don't understand it completely, partially because it hasn't been modeled to us as, as much as we think maybe it should have been, but part of it is because we have never tried it. It's kind of like green eggs and ham, and we're just like, I, I don't like it. So when this series is going on, we're talking about making disciples. We're a little bit like, well, <laughs> good idea. I hope everyone else does it. Not sure about me. Well, we want to try. And we may just find that we like it. So here's what we want to do. As we're going through this series on discipleship, jump in. If you haven't been in a life group, jump in. You can still get in. You could come the very last week and get in a life group. We want everybody to be a part of that experience too because there's so much that happens there that doesn't happen here. But when we're talking about discipleship, it's really important for us to understand what is discipleship. What does that even mean? So let's go back to the very first week when Jim introduced the idea to us. I mean, we already knew the idea, but when we talked about it for the first time in this series, and we're going to use the words of Jesus, always a good starting place. So if you have a Bible, whether it's printed or electronic, we're in Matthew 28, 19 and 20. We're going to have two main verses today. We'll, we'll reference several, but Matthew 28, 19 and 20 is our first reference. And this is where Jesus tells us what we are to do. This is why we are doing this series. This is why we want our lives to be about discipleship, because Jesus said so. So here's what Jesus says in Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Go make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son 
and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I have commanded you, and I will be with you always to the end of the age. That's what Jesus says. So that's the why. Because we are supposed to, we are commanded to. Today we're going to look at five questions about discipleship. Five questions about discipleship, about making disciples, that are going to help us dig in a little bit more. And here's the first question. What is a disciple? What is a disciple? And again, we're backing up a few weeks, but this is helpful to us. We all want to be on the same page. What is a disciple? Lots of definitions. Here's the one we're using. Again, from the words of Jesus, good place to start. In Matthew 4.19, Jesus says, Come, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Three parts to that. First, follow me. It's a head decision. It's a, it's a thing we do. It's a choice. And it's about a relationship. Jesus says, come follow me. Relationship, it's a head thing. Next, I will make you. That's about transformation. You used to be this. You're going to be something different. So it's about our heart. And then it's about the mission to go fish for people. So it's head, heart, and hands to remind us to be on mission. Relationship, transformation, mission. However you best remember it, just remember Jesus wants us to make disciples. And a disciple is someone who follows Jesus, is changed by Jesus, and is on mission with Jesus. So that's where we are. All right. So when Jesus said, go make disciples of all nations, then what that means is we should disciple everyone, right? That's our second question. So we should disciple everyone, right? Well, the answer is yes. We should. We collectively should disciple everyone. Everyone on the planet should have an opportunity to hear about Jesus, to be growing in Jesus. And so the answer is, as a group, yes, we should disciple everyone. But when we say, should we disciple everyone, the answer is also no. What I mean by that is this. No, you should not disciple every single person in your life. Don't try it. It's a really bad idea. Here's how we know it's a really bad idea. Because Jesus didn't do it. He didn't. Jesus did not disciple everyone in his life. And he doesn't expect you to do that either. A couple of things that are going to help. By the way, I can't even see with these glasses. I don't know what I'm doing. Okay. So... Uh, Luke chapter 8, verse 4. Jesus is with a group of people. And it says, One day Jesus told a story in the form of a parable to a large crowd that had gathered from many towns to hear him. So there's a big group around Jesus. And so he tells them a parable. He teaches them. And then look what happens afterwards in verse 9. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. That's where the discipleship is taking place. They ask him about it, and Jesus explains it to them and, and gives practical application for their lives. So Jesus teaches crowds, but he disciples only a few people. 
We see that over and over and over in the life of Jesus, and we need to understand that is true for us. And here's another lesson, a hard lesson for us, maybe even harder than that first one. But there's one time that Jesus is talking to a young man who is rich, and he tells the man, you know, um, here's what you need to do. You need to, to sell everything that you have, give everything to the poor, and then come follow me. Now, don't misunderstand. That's not what Jesus is saying to every single person. He saw into that man's heart, and there was an obstacle between him and God. And Jesus said, for you to follow me, this is what you need to do. Now, there are two reactions that happen. First is the reaction of the young man. Listen to what it says in Matthew 19, verse 22. When the young man heard this, he went away sad, for he had many possessions. He was not ready to obey and follow Jesus, and so he walked away. Even though Jesus could have provided everything he needed and so much more, he wasn't ready. But the next reaction is, is more surprising in some ways. It's the reaction of Jesus in the very next verse. Then Jesus said to his disciples, so he, he lets the man walk away, and he says to his disciples, I tell you, it's hard for a rich person to go into heaven. Isn't it strange? Wouldn't you have said, well, wait a minute, you know, maybe 50% of what you have, you know, let's, let's have a little bargain here. I know you've got a lot of stuff. You could do a lot of good if you just, like, took 10% of that and gave it away. Jesus lets the man walk away because the man is not ready to be a disciple. Jesus said, follow me. And the man said, nah. Can't do it right now. There are some people that you know that you would love to disciple, and they're just not ready. And you cannot make them do it. Don't misunderstand. Yes, Pray for them. Yes, look for opportunities to have conversations. But you can't make someone follow Jesus. It's a hard thing, but it's true. You know, when we, we think in Luke 15, the, the story of what we call the prodigal son, it's really like the story of the, the loving father of the lost son. But the son that goes off and spends all of his father's wealth, all of his part of that. In that story, we see the father run to his son. But what happens before the father runs to the son? The son turns around, and he decides that he is going to come back home. So that's an important lesson for us. You have to find the people that God has placed in your life who are ready and want to be discipled. So no, don't disciple everybody. But yes, do disciple someone. And that's where we want to go, where we want to go from here. So when we're talking about this idea of discipling, I think it's really challenging for us because we wonder, how am I going to disciple? And we're not talking about the tools. You're going to get those in your life group and things like that. And so please, again, be involved in that. But we're talking in practical terms, how do I 
make discipleship happen, all right? So this uh, jar here is going to represent your life, all right? This is your life. This is your life. And um, we have several rocks here, and each of these are going to be something in your life, okay? Just a part of your life, something that's going on in your life. And the first one almost looks like a heart. It kind of looks like Ohio, too. But anyway, there's a reason for that, I'm sure. Uh, but it's kind of uh, heart-shaped, and this is going to represent family, whatever that looks like in your context. You, you might be married. You might have kids. You might have parents. You might just be in a, in a serious relationship or whatever. This is family for you, okay? You, you're whatever your family thing looks like. All right, so you've got family, and that's a part of your life for sure. What about your friendships? You definitely have friends. You want to be involved in their lives. So you've got your friends. Uh, the neighbors, we've talked about that, the art of neighboring. Oh, yeah, we need to do that. We've got to be involved in our neighbor's lives, so, you know, we've got to fit that in there too. This is getting tricky. Um, oh, yeah, I've got church. Duh. I've got to put that in there. Uh, that's part of my life too. Um, personally, for me, fitness is obviously a huge part of my life, so I've got that rocking in there. Uh, hobbies, oh man, you know, whatever you like to do in your spare time when you have it. Um, what about like your entertainment? You know, you're going out to eat and you're watching movies, you know, whatever you like to do for that. There's the entertainment piece of your life. Um, what about just the shopping? And I'm not talking about just going out and like binge shopping. I'm talking about the, the real practical, I have to go do all of these things in my life. I can't believe how much time it takes and I can't believe I have to go to the grocery eight times a week. What is up? So you've got the, that part of your life. Um, let's see what else we've got. Oh, yeah, I have a job. Oh, yeah, I got to get that in there. Or, oh, I'm in school. And some of you have both of those happening right now. Look at that. Woo, that's awesome. And there's something else I haven't mentioned that is another rock in your life. I'm sure that's rather big. All right, so your life is already kind of crowded. And then we're saying, hey, here's what you need to do. Why don't you take this big rock called discipleship and that, add that into your life, okay? Just fit that right in there. That'll work somehow. Oh, yeah, that looks good. Feels a little full, right? What if there was another way to do this? What if instead of adding something major to our lives, what if we said, how about this is my life? Rather than adding discipleship to your life, make your life discipleship. And pray and say, God, would you help me, first of all, prioritize some of these things, and maybe some of these rocks need to be a little bit smaller or eliminated or something, because it's already full as it is. But if I'm going to try to add discipleship to my life, would you, instead of having me add it, just make this a discipleship? Just make this whole life that I do discipleship. And would you pour yourself into my life and just surround everything that I do and fill it so that it's just one big, complete entity that is about you? Would your Holy Spirit just flow through me and be involved? So again, the idea is not to add anything. It's to where you are, who you are, make disciples. You can't do it by just, you know, oh, you do these eight books and suddenly you're a disciple of Jesus. It doesn't work that way. What's really fascinating is when you begin to study how God wants this to happen in people's lives, this is exactly what he does. It's just part of who you are. 
If you go back to the book of Deuteronomy, and this is our other major uh, verse for today, other major passage, Deuteronomy chapter 6. If you look at that, it's fascinating. God has just given uh, a lot of instructions to the Jewish people. He said, these are all the things you need to do. These are all the things you have to be involved in. And it's a long list. And then this is how God says to implement this in your life. Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting in verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Well, really, if we did that, that's all, that need, all we need, right? And then love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, that's what Jesus said. But listen when he talks about the commandments, the, the instructions that he has just given. All of these teachings. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your heads and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. God is saying, wherever you go, whatever you're involved in, just make this about me. Just make your life about God. That's all he asks you to do. It's not where you add something. It's just part of who you are. And that's why we're studying the book of Luke. We've been walking through the book of Luke, and we're going to continue that when this series is over. We're getting right back into it because if we're going to be like Jesus, we need to know who Jesus is and, and learn to be more like him. It's fascinating to see how this works out in the life of Jesus. And just using the, the book of Luke and just a few examples from that, there are so many more. Listen to how Jesus made discipleship just part of his everyday life. Chapter 4, verse 16. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went to the synagogue as was his custom. Just part of what he did. Verse 38. Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked Jesus to help her. Helping was just part of what he did. Chapter 5, verse 27. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting in his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said. Just part of his everyday life. One Sabbath, chapter 6, verse 1. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and his disciples began to pick some heads of grain, rub them in their hands, and eat the kernels. Great teaching moment comes from this. 7-11. Afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. So Jesus is just walking through life, and all these people are going with him. 8.1, after this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The 12 were there with him. So just, again, wherever he went, it was just about proclaiming the kingdom, the good news. Verse 26, they sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. Would you, could you, in a boat? He did, all right? 9.10, when the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took him with them, took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. So Jesus sends the disciples out. 
they come back and they have a debriefing time. They go to another place by themselves and they just talk about it. How did it go? What did you learn? Discipleship, discipleship, discipleship. Verse 18. Once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, who did the crowd say that I am? Wonderful teaching comes from that. Little time of just asking a question. Verse 28. About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and he went up onto a mountain to pray took his triad, the quad went up, just his small group within a small group, and they saw some amazing stuff. 1038, and Jesus and his disciples were on their way, and they came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home. So Martha, who plays a huge role in the life of Jesus and the disciples, they just met as Jesus was going along, part of life. 1254, then he said to the crowd, when you see a cloud rising in the west, immediately you say, it's going to rain, and it does. So Jesus just takes everyday objects that are right around him and talks about spiritual principles. Then Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. He has his mission in mind. As he's going, he's still teaching. 14.1, one Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. So Jesus, as he's eating, is eating with tax collectors and sinners and Pharisees. He's hanging out with everybody. Just part of his life. 15.1. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him. 17.11. As Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. So again, he's just walking through life. 18.15. One day, some parents brought their little children to Jesus so he could touch them and bless them. And there's a wonderful story about how Jesus says, you have to be like children too, and all of that. That comes from this. Just a teaching moment in life as they were walking along together through life. Verse 18. Once a religious leader asked Jesus this question, good teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? teaching moment. Verse 31, taking the 12 disciples aside, Jesus said, listen, we're going up to Jerusalem where all the predictions of the prophets concerning the Son of Man will come true. So many times in the life of Jesus, we just see him as he is living his life, making disciples. He just does it. It's just who he is. He doesn't add making disciples on his life. Making disciples is his life. And that's really how it should be with us. Which brings us to the fourth question. Okay, question number four. God, how can discipleship be part of who I am and what I already do? This is important. We need to ask God, how can this happen in my everyday life? Paul follows the example of Jesus. Because Paul makes this part of his everyday life. Two verses that remind us of that. Philippians 4, 9. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. So Paul is saying, you know how you saw me do all these things and, and the things that I was and the things that I did and all of that? Just do that. So that's how you make disciples. And he, he emphasizes it again in 1 Corinthians 11, 1. He says, follow me as I follow who? Jesus. As I follow Christ. Exactly. So Paul says, you know what? I'm going to follow Jesus and you just follow me as I follow him. If I'm not following him right, don't follow me. Follow him. That's how Paul did discipleship. It was just part of his everyday life. So if you want to change the world, ask this question right there. Oh God, 
how can discipleship be part of who I am and what I already do? Don't, don't give me some other program that I have to add on to my life. How can what I'm already doing, who I already am, be discipleship? We've been asking you to share your story. And, and again, today we asked you to do that. In the bulletin, you'll find a card. You can write on the back of that or you can go to the website and click on the banner and uh, you can share your story there. I want to share one of the stories. This is about a guy who had some people come into his life just as they were going along and how it changed everything for him. Leading up to April 2003, my life may have appeared normal to the outside world, but one thing that was sporadic that had, and had been elusive for most of my life was internal peace. After growing up Catholic, I started to question organized religion as I finished high school and moved on to college. Although my questioning would continue for many years, I never stopped believing God existed. So here's a guy that is interested in God. He wants to be discipled. On April 16, 2003, after an especially trying day, I sat down and wrote a letter to God. I told God I was tired of not having peace and feeling like I was going it alone. I was ready to surrender my life to him. Although it, I didn't know exactly what it meant to, in that moment, I knew that my current approach to life was not getting it done for me. Soon after I wrote the letter, I had lunch with an old business acquaintance. Although he came from an affluent background, he'd experienced a lot of family tragedy in his life. And during our lunch, he started to tell me about what God was doing in his life. I was so intrigued by what he was saying that after lunch, we went back to my house to continue the conversation. Doesn't that sound like Jesus or Paul? A couple of days later, he invited me to meet his friend Chris over breakfast at Bob Evans. After hearing about how God was working in his life, he invited me to come to his office on Fridays mor Friday mornings. So he told me that what we would do would appeal to my intellect, and then I could decide for myself what to do with the information. So I committed to visiting his office every Friday. As I met with Chris, it was amazing how my Christian walk started to evolve. During that time, my wife and I went to Guatemala to adopt our daughter Lola, who we wanted to raise in some type of church. Upon returning, we had a chance meeting with another, another family who was adopting a little girl from the same orphanage in Guatemala, who also happened to be members of DCC. As a result of that introduction, we started attending DCC as a family in early 2004. My wife and I were baptized on May 16, 2004. It is amazing to think when I look back at all the pieces that fell into place for me for this incredible journey over the last 12 years, I feel very blessed. Some of you know that person is Mike Perez, who is one of our deacons, one of our leaders here in the congregation. And he had people in his life who simply helped him with the next step. You know what's really cool? Mike is not only a disciple of Jesus, Mike is committed to making disciples of Jesus. So here's what we want to ask. Who is the Mike in your life? Or the Jennifer, or the Brandon, or the Heather? Here's a question we all need to wrestle with right now. Question five, and this is how we're ending. God, who do you want me to disciple? Who do you want me to disciple right now?
Who, God, do you want me to disciple? In your bulletin, uh, there is a card. And on the front of it, it has some verses. On the back, it's blank. Now, if you don't have a bulletin or you don't individually have a card, just raise your hand. We have some guys that are going to hand those out. So just right now, just raise your hand if you need a card. And if you don't have a card, you need a card, okay? So <laughs> raise your hand. Or if you need a pen or a pencil, because you have to write. We have a little assignment here. So just raise your hand. They're coming. They'll get you the card and or the pen or pencil. As they're handing that out, here's what we want to do. On the front are the two main scriptures that we used today. The reality that we are supposed to make disciples, Jesus said, from Matthew chapter 28. And then from Deuteronomy chapter 6, the passage that reminds us that this is just a daily walking through life, everyday part of who we are. So after you have your paper and your pen or pencil, flip the paper over to the blank side, and here's what we want you to do. And we believe this is from God. We don't think this is just some contrived thing. We think this is important. On the back, write the names of a few people, two, three, whatever it happens to be, people that you know need to be discipled. People in your circle, people that God has placed you in their life, God has placed them in your life, whatever it is, for the purpose of deepening relationships with God. Now, understand, this may be somebody that doesn't know who Jesus is. They don't have a relationship with Jesus. So that first part, that follow me, is obviously kind of where you need to start. But it could be somebody who's already a follower of Jesus or has a great interest in that. Again, they have to have some interest or it's not going to work. Someone that you know you can grow with together. And obviously, when we disciple, we're learning too. It's not that we have arrived. So, a couple of names. Might be family members. Might be somebody you work with or go to school with. Might be someone that's a neighbor. A colleague of some kind. A long-term friend that you've really never talked about Jesus with? I don't know who it is. I don't need to know who it is. But we need to respond and say yes. Yes. We have to be intentional and understand that it's not just everywhere you go, you have to make some choices and sometimes some changes. I'm in a small group once a week. I meet with four other senior pastors once a month. I meet with a guy who's older than I am once a week. I meet with a guy who is younger than I am once a week. And I meet with two guys who are peers once a week. Now, we don't always get to every one of those meetings, every one of those opportunities but I've built that into my life because I know I need it. And I hope that it's beneficial to those people as well. It's just part of discipleship. 
So it may take some adjustment and it takes some commitment. But I'm not saying you need to have five meetings this week. I'm saying, who does God want you to be in a discipling relationship with? So be intentional and make disciples. You may just find that you like it. You'll make disciples on a train and in a boat and in the rain. You'll make disciples in a house and in a car and with your spouse. And when you jog and when you wake and when you walk and when you bake and in the light and in the dark and at your job, your school, the park, you'll make disciples here and there. You'll make disciples everywhere. So go, make disciples. Of all nations, but specifically today, think about those people on your card. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teach them all the things that Jesus has commanded us. And realize Jesus will be with you always until the very end of the age. Let's pray. God, we know that someone sometime talked to us about you. And for that, we're very grateful. And people have helped us move along in the next step of our journey, and we just want to do that together. So we know this, this is not something that is natural for a lot of us, God. It just takes some focus, but it, it really is just opening ourselves up to you and saying, God, would you pour your life into mine and let that be about discipleship. So God, give us the heart to do this and give us the faith to trust that this will work. What you've said is, is the way that people come and grow closer because your love is so great that it draws us. Thank you, God, for Jesus. We, we are so grateful for his love, and we pray in his name. Amen. If you've never made that first step and said, yes, I will follow you, Jesus, that's, that's the first thing you need to do today, and you can do that. You can come forward, and we'll talk to you about that and pray with you about that. But for all of us, we definitely need to say yes to this idea of discipleship, and yes, we will make disciples here and there. We'll make disciples everywhere. Would you stand and as we sing?